Good morning, church. It is such a joy to be with you this morning. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Pastor Scott, for having me. And uh, so I bring greetings from our dear friend and yours, Jim and Susan. They send their love to all of you. And uh, thank you for sending them our way. Uh, we get to enjoy them and enjoy their ministry there. Thank you for, for that. And happy Mother's Day to all the mothers here. And uh, may you really know his joy and his dear presence today. And know that you are appreciated mightily. So it is such a joy to be able to come here and, uh, and share with you. Like uh, the pastor has already said, I serve in Southern Africa, a beautiful part of Africa, uh, but uh, with many, many unreached people groups that, are still, that still need to be reached with the gospel. I often say that Southern Africa is a region of two contrasts. On the one part, we have a, a thriving evangelical church in, in places like South Africa, Botswana, Namibia, and then you go to places like Madagascar where the owners are serving. There are many pockets of unreached people groups like the island where they are serving and places like uh, the in other Indian Ocean islands that are nearby, some of them entirely unreached with the gospel. And it really is our heart to see those people rich with the gospel. Because when Christ died many, many, many years ago, he was thinking about those people. And uh, it, is, it is terrible that many get to die without ever hearing that Christ died for them. And uh, it is our desire to see them rich, hopefully in our generation. And uh, one of the greatest needs also in, in, in our parts of, of, of Africa as well as you realize, I think statistics put it at about a third of pastors that are theologically trained. So if the pastors are not theologically trained, it means there is a huge problem. If we are going to see vibrant believers that will stand and proclaim Christ to the nations, we need people that are theologically sound. And uh, so we pray that the Lord will send more theological uh, educators to come and train and equip these churches that are thriving so that they are fully you know, grounded in the Word of God. Uh, but really grateful for what the Lord is doing in the African continent. Um, just around 1910, there was barely any church to talk about. Less than 10 million believers. Today, there are over almost 700 million Christians in the African continent. That's a mighty work of God. And 185 million evangelicals who love the Lord. I thought you would clap the head, your hands for the Lord. Because that's really a mighty work of God. And the good thing is your church has been a part of that for many years. And I send your first missionary went to the Congo uh, over a century ago. So you have played a role in ensuring that the gospel goes to those parts of the world. So, but our heart is really to see the African believers like myself going out there and sharing the gospel and to see many of these uh, African leaders trained and equipped. And this remaining, 987 unrich people in Africa, 370 million people still in total darkness. And at the rate things are going, many of them will live and die without hearing the gospel. But that needs to change. And I pray that all of us will find what our role is in ensuring that that narrative changes, that we hear a different story. But today we are going to jump into the Word of God and allow his word to speak to us as a congregation and uh, challenges and admonishes. We're going to look at the book of uh, Luke, chapter 9. 
and we'll look at uh, just about five verses or so from verse 57 to 62. And the Bible reads like this. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I'll follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at home. Jesus said to him, no one puts his hand to the plow and looks back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Let us pray together. Precious Father, thank you very much for, for your word, and thank you very much, Lord, for this opportunity to, to hear from your word. And Father, we pray that you will speak to us this morning, that this congregation will not hear me, but they will hear you, that your word will speak, it will bring conviction, and uh, that uh, your word will be more than enough to speak to us today. Would you speak to us, Lord, even as we dive into your word, and may you guide us and lead us. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. This is an interesting story of three men who somehow encountered the Lord, and, uh, but they all had interesting responses to the invitation to follow Jesus Christ. In Luke chapter 9, just a bit before, that, before there, in verse 23, earlier on in that, in that very chapter, Jesus said to his disciples in verse 23, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. He says, if you want to be my disciple, you better carry your cross daily, deny yourself and follow me. And we re realize that the greatest hindrance to the life of a believer to be a disciple is self. But Jesus says we must do what? Deny ourselves daily. We must refuse self, we must forsake ourselves, we must let go. We must disown ourselves so that we can become disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. But when we got down to this verse, we see these men that are given this opportunity to deny themselves. But their response was not one you would expect. You know, Jesus is not calling them to do something that he has not done himself as a man, because he came, he was fully man, right? In Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, the Bible says that Jesus Christ, who was in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God, something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. Jesus Christ, who was Lord of all, he was the it, yet he denied himself and made himself Nothing. And because of that, today we can gather together here and worship him. But these men respond differently. So I have names for these men. The first guy, his name is Mr. Quick Quick. So verses 57 58, it says, As we're walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. 
Jesus reply, replied, Foxes have dance and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Mr. Quick Quick makes a quick commitment without thinking very much about the meaning of his desire to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. But Jesus, in his gentle and wonderful way, you know, he puts perspective to this man. He says, okay, look, I am homeless. So are you sure you want to follow me when you don't even know where you'll sleep tonight? You go without that, that in place. So basically Jesus was asking this man, are you willing to leave the comfort of your own home to follow me? Are you willing to leave without the material comforts that you're accustomed to? Are you willing to leave without well-heated housing? Are you willing to forego the legitimate comforts of a lovely home? Because the call to follow Jesus is not a call to convenience. Sometimes it is a call to sacrifice. But are we willing to make those sacrifices for the sake of him who has called us? Some of us here, the Lord will call us at some point to pack our bags and go to Africa or to go somewhere in the Middle East or somewhere where there is darkness. What will be our response? The path to discipleship is not easy, but it is what God is calling us to do. What will be our response when Jesus calls us to leave the familiar, to follow him on a path of the unfamiliar terrains? The second man, let's call him Mr. Let's Slow Down. He says to Jesus, yeah, 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 slow, slow down, slow down. Let's take it slowly. Verse 59 and 60. He said to another, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. And verse 60 says, Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. The first man volunteered himself, but the second man, Jesus comes to him and says, follow me. And this man just, he gives an, uh, 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 an excuse. He gives a reason why he would not follow the Lord Jesus Christ immediately. And this was not an unusual call. When we, we read the Gospels, we see Jesus coming across different people at different times and inviting them to follow him. And almost all the disciples that, follow him, that followed him, their response was instantaneous, right? They instantly left everything and followed him. Others were fishing. The Bible speaks about uh, the sons of Zebedee. They were busy fishing with their dad when Jesus came and said, follow me. And what did they do? They left everything and they followed him. But not this guy. He has legitimate reasons why he will not follow the Lord Jesus. And it's a legitimate reason. He says, no, look, my dad is old. I need to take care of my parents. I have a responsibility. I need to wait until my dad has passed on before I can go. So the dad was not late. He was still alive. And you, you don't know when the person is going to die. I don't know how old the dad was. 
It's possible he was going to live for the next 40 years. So for 40 years, this man was willing to live in disobedience to the Lord because he has an expectation, societal expectation that he needs to take care of his dad. Society expected him to do that, right? The community expected him to do that. So he chose that over obedience to the Lord. About 12 years ago, I had to go to my parents and say, Mom and Dad and my sisters and brothers, God has called me to be a missionary. And I said to them, look, I was on this path. I was a university student, almost finishing my university. Uh, My parents didn't have much, and I was their retirement package. So they were looking that, you know, you know, when you are approaching, you know, that end, you see that your investment is maturing. You're about to cash in, basically, in a good way. I mean, they struggled so much, and they were just about to, I was just about to finish university, and I will, I will work, and I'll take care of them. And I said to them, look, God is calling me to be a missionary. And what this basically means is that I'm going to live without a salary. I'm going to have to raise support. I don't know whether the support will come, but this is the life I have chosen. My mom wept. She said, God hates me. She just couldn't understand why God will allow her to struggle all her life. And when she's just about to drink that tea with wonderful milk, he will call her son to go and live without a salary. Well, she has come around. She prays for me. She supports me. But it was a difficult thing for her to understand as a mother. And I, I'm imagining that this man was in a similar situation. The, that's what every, every, everybody else did. They sticked around, take, took care of their parents in, oh, until they are gone then they have freedom to do other things. So, but what we learn from this story is that the legitimate courtesies of life sometimes can become a huge hindrance to serving the Lord. The man put his relationship with, with his father above his relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So I had to say to mommy, mommy, I love you so much and I wish you all the best, but I have a father to obey, and I'm going to obey him. My church said to me, we have, a, we have no doubt the Lord has called you. There's no doubt. You can go to seminary, and we can ordain you a pastor. That's all we can offer you. I said, but God has called me to be a missionary. He has called me to go to the unreached. They said, sorry, we can't help you. So if you choose to go basically on your own. I went to do my training in Nigeria. On my way to the airport, I get a call from my pastor, and my pastor says to me, I just got a call from the president of the denomination. If you enter that plane, you're on your own. If anything happens to you, as a church, you will not be involved. But you have a chance. You have not entered that plane yet. You can return and stay, go to Bible college and become a pastor just like every other person who is called here does. I had a choice. Do I do what every other person expects me to do, including my pastors whom I loved and really, really appreciated, or do I do what the Lord is telling me to do? 
I chose, I said to my pastor, I love you so much and I respect you, but I love the Lord more. And I will choose to go. So I went without their financial support. But the Lord is good. You know what, did, what the Lord did? My fellow university students I went to school who are still in university will send their $5 every month, and that's how the Lord took care of me in the training school. But I could have stayed in disobedience, and I could have lived all my life in disobedience, but I chose to follow the Lord. So will you follow the Lord, or will you choose to disobey? What is hindering us from instantly obeying our Lord? To the mothers here today, it's Mother's Day. As we're dedicating these little ones today, if the Lord calls you to release one of those little ones to go serve him in a jungle somewhere that is far away from modernization, will you be willing to let go of that child? Better still, if the Lord calls you to take these little kids to a place where there is no medical care, where you are far from every other place, so you can share the gospel to people that are lost without hope, would you be willing to take that child and go there? What will be our excuse? May we have no excuses. May we obey. I pray that will be our attitude. The last guy. Let's call him in just a minute. He wanted to obey, but in just a minute. Verses 61 and 62. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. He volunteers himself and quickly gives a reason why he can't obey the Lord immediately. It seems like the man's attachment to his family superseded his obedience to the Lord. But God is calling us to renounce all so that we can obey him. What is holding you back? Is there sin that we need to let go of? Maybe there is something that is enjoyable, that is lovely, that is familiar, but the Lord is saying let go of it. Are we willing to let go of that particular thing so that we can be useful for the Lord? It may not be sinful, but that is a stumbling block. What is that stumbling block that is hindering you this morning from fully giving your all to our King of Kings? Just like all the other men before him, we don't hear what happened to him. We don't know, we don't know what his response was. He just, the Bible just stops there. But we see in Scripture, when you look at Matthew, Mark chapter 10, verse 28, Peter comes to the Lord Jesus Christ and says, we left everything to follow you. We left everything. Anything that was of sentimental value to us. We left sin. We, we are not flirting with sin. Anything that was hindering us from serving you, we left it. Paul, this, this disciples, they left their different careers. Peter left his fishing career. And they left many things so that they can be useful to the Lord. What is the Lord speaking to you?
today? What is it that you need to let go of so that you can be useful to the Lord? How much are we willing to give up? How far is too far when it comes to serving the Lord? Are there places where the Lord Jesus Christ is not allowed to convict us? Sometimes we draw boundaries and say, yeah, you can come up to this far, but when it comes here, I am in charge now. Yeah, Lord, we can talk about many other things. When it comes to my children, I am in charge. When it comes to my money, I am in charge. When it comes to my lifestyle, I am in charge. When it comes to my life, I am in charge. If we are going to be useful for our Father and for our Lord, He needs to be in charge. And we need to allow Him to completely take control of our lives. In conclusion, I pray that the Lord will speak to us today. That as we reflect on this, we'll individually pray and ask the Lord, what are you saying to me? And what is the Lord saying to us in light of the task that is still remaining? 3.15 billion people still without the gospel. More than 40% of the world's population. How will the Lord have you involved? Would you pray and ask the Lord to speak to you? Would you pray that you will send forth laborers? Would you pray that those who are in the mission field, they will have success as they do the work? That the Lord will give them breakthrough as they encounter the powers of darkness, that the Lord will give them victory? Would you consider giving some of your resources to support those that are in the mission field? And lastly, would you avail yourself before the Lord and say, Lord, here is my life, use me. Your children, will you give them to the Lord? We see many, many examples in Scripture. We know the story of Hannah, who gave her only at that time to the Lord, son, and the Lord used them mightily. Would you do that with your own life as well? May the Lord bless you and watch over you. Thank you.